Hello, hello, my above average tribe, and welcome back to the A Minus Life podcast. I am your host, Casey Jericho. And once again, I am so happy to have you here listening, and I hope we can laugh, learn, and grow together. Before I get into the topic for this week, I want to remind you guys that every review, like, share is so appreciated and really helps me and this channel out. So if you're not too busy while listening to this, it would be very appreciated if you could subscribe to this podcast or my YouTube channel, leave a rating, uh, leave a raving review on either platform. Also, please share with family, friends, even mortal enemies. I want to uh, also remind you guys that even though I have turned into a professional podcaster, my true love is my one-on-one lifestyle coaching company and our lifestyle app. If you are ready to make some sustainable and enjoyable change and learn what feeling good actually feels like, please click on the link in our show notes, on my Instagram, or on my website and join the team. You can use code A-LIFE10, spell out minus, to get 10% off any package you choose as a thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And now that my lovely spiel is over, let's keep showing up and get into it. We are going to do a little break in the holiday trend. So last week we did holiday mindset, and next week we will do holiday tips and tricks. But today I wanted to go over why macros and why strength training. Why are these two the holy grail, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. Um, But before we get into that, I do want to remind you guys that The holiday challenge is starting in about a week, okay, November 11th. So get a team of, that's a lie, November 12th. Get a team of five people, you included, and let's hold each other accountable during this holiday season and start the train of making the holidays enjoyable and not just a time where we dread holiday parties and gaining weight and digging ourselves into a hole for the new year. So you have about a week, get a group together, pick your most out of shape friends so you can have the best transformation. Just kidding. Um, It's not a weight loss competition. Yes, there are categories to win in, um, but it is more a mindset, habit, step, body image transformation. So just a reminder there. Okay, so... Like I just said, kind of once again, this podcast is a little bit of a change of plans. We were going to originally go right into part B of holiday trips and tricks, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this first, because if you don't really understand my reasoning for macros and my reasoning for strength training, some of these tips might not really make sense to you. So before I even even get into what macros are, I want to explain kind of why I found myself liking them. And then I'll take another podcast to really go into the science side of macros. But I wanted to just kind of give my story on how I ended up here and not being a Beachbody coach or, you know, uh, I can't even say this out loud, but I'm going to an Octavia salesperson, right? Um, So that's that. Again, hopefully you guys have listened to some of my podcasts before, but if not, if you are a newbie here, first off, welcome. (laughs) What brought you here? Just kidding. Um, And let me just remind you, right, that 
in episode two, where I roasted myself, I did go over a little bit about my background, but I will sum it up real quick, right? I did start working out at a young age. I didn't necessarily love it, but I did it. Um, I have a pretty intensive soccer background, so sports, athlete, all that. I never really had to worry about what I ate because I was playing so much, but I was 100% raised in a carb-heavy household. That was also, ironically, a very weight-judgmental household, right? You would think a family that fed me pasta every night wouldn't be so judgmental on weight, but we were. Um, my dad, 70 years old, still only eats one meal a day because he is petrified to get out of shape. My mother, she will be 70 in a couple of months, eats, you know, one Triscuit with a piece of turkey on it for lunch, but she can throw down some dinner, but just very conscious on what they eat. Definitely not the best habits. If they were my clients, we would be changing some things, but they would never be my clients. Um, College was kind of the same thing, right? I played so, so much lifting, running, soccer, that I never had to worry about what I ate. The cafeteria food was whatever. It didn't really matter. I ate food. I played. It burned off. I partied. I burned it off. I did start to gain a little weight at the end of college because my playing intensity was not as high and my partying was higher. Um, after college, I had that same party mentality and I needed a mental break from sports, I guess, and competitiveness, because it had been 18 years of nonstop, but I did not change my mindset with food and drinking. So that is where I put on all my weight. I got the heaviest I've ever been, including when I was pregnant, and that was not a glorious time for me. I didn't even really realize I was that heavy in the moment, and then, you know, with pictures and whatnot, you start to look back on it. But eventually, I got my butt moving again, due to my friend signing me up for a half marathon. And that's like when the whole fad diet hamster wheel kind of started. And that's what I'm gonna kind of go over today, my own hamster wheel yo-yo dieting history. Now, I have a really bad long-term memory. Um, I can remember like one high school teacher that I ever had, maybe one middle school teacher I can't put ages on things or I can't even come close to when movies came out or songs. I just, that stuff to me is in one ear, out the other. So I'm not going to remember exactly the correct history of my fad diets, but I can definitely go over doing them all. I'm just not sure if they'll be in the right order, which really doesn't matter. Um, so a couple of things that I did, and I'm going to try and put them in the order that I remember. So first off, I feel like every single female in their life at one point goes low carb, right? And that was kind of like the first thing I did. You make that list, right? No carbs, no sugar, nothing white, nothing processed, no desserts, no chips. It's like a list of like 15 things that all start with no. And it's just a list of things that you are not allowed to have and you try and stick with it. Um, I can't imagine that lasted longer than two honest days in a row because the second a social event probably happened, I said yes to it, right? I didn't like cut out partying or going out when I was 22. That just, that didn't happen. Um, so this was more of a no sugar, no white, no processed when it was convenient. Um, at this time, I was doing a lot of like cardio in the gym, a lot of incline walking, a lot of running intervals. I'd use the Nike training app a lot and that had a lot of circuits 
which at the time, if you asked me, I would have probably considered those to be weight training and they are 100% not. Um, and yes, I absolutely lost weight. I was 190 pounds. I mean, any kind of moving and any kind of restriction in food would have made me lose weight. So of course they seemed successful to me in my eyes, right? I was losing weight. I was 5'3", dropping pounds. I could have probably made any kind of choice or any kind of alteration to my lifestyle and lost weight. Just because the scale is moving down does not necessarily mean that this is the right method for you long term, right? So eventually I'm going to hit a plateau. I don't know how many months or how many years it was, but I 1000% like stop losing weight or stop seeing change in my body. And then I remember, I think Instagram was kind of coming around and I fell in love with the Tone It Up girls. Um, they're two beautiful girls from, uh, from California. Uh, their bodies are super, super slender, but they have some muscle showing and I just thought they were ideal, right? And now that I look at them, like we could not have more different frames. Like the fact that I was chasing these two girls' bodies is sad a little bit i mean they did nothing wrong they they capitalized on how they look i mean one girl is like 5 10 maybe size 2 jean the other one is shorter but so so dainty as well um i followed them on facebook on instagram they were skinny but had a little bit of muscle they were so pretty the boho beach vibe that i loved i just wanted to be everything they were right they provided quote unquote strength training routines um, but again, now that I look back, I'm pretty sure they never touched anything heavier than like a 10 pound dumbbell. Um, their workouts were filled with things like mountain climbers and jumping jacks and burpees and all these dynamic movements that again, labeled themselves as hit or, you know, strength training. Um, they had all these kinds of diet plans and recipes that I tried to follow. They even had a photo shoot ready diet which was supposed to be used if you had like an event coming up. And really, I, I just lived by this diet. I'm pretty sure I did their five day photo shoot diet every Monday and Friday just to prep for the weekend for me to go off the rails, which is 100% not healthy or sustainable, right? Like I was measuring out my sodium during the week so I could look more lean on the weekend. I was eating minimal calories that you would do possibly for a photo shoot or a competition just so I could kind of like feel good on a Friday night into Sunday. Um, I didn't really see any change in my body with them. I lost a couple of pounds here and there. I wasn't super committed. I think I was more interested in like actually looking like them, which would never happen. Um, I got roped up a little bit in their products and whatnot. I bought some of their bands and they were definitely like my little, I don't know, inspiration, I guess. But eventually I fall off there. Then I get into juice cleanses. I'm pretty sure I did the ones called like juice, like J-U-S. There were like the three-day cleanse, the five-day cleanse, or if you wanted to be crazy, the seven-day cleanse. And they would mail you these juices in like a cooler container. You would drink nothing but these for whatever time frame you signed up for and they would promise you all these results. Um, yeah, of course they worked, right? You drink juice for five days, you're gonna fucking lose weight. If you drink apple juice for five days, you're gonna lose weight. I didn't have to spend $200 on these damn juices because 
you know, they had vegetables in it and it made my silly brain think that I was doing something healthy, right? I even remember a time, it must've been like recent after college, I don't think it was in college, that I did that Beyonce diet where you were supposed to mix like lemonade and cayenne pepper and you drink that for like five days straight and oh, it was brutal. I don't think I ever made it the amount of time you were supposed to, but even two days of that, you're gonna drop pounds. So yeah, of course the juice cleanses worked and they, you know, quote unquote detoxed you because one of them had like some sort of laxative thing in it. But all you did was starve yourselves for those times, those days. You cleaned yourself out, not the proper way. And yes, your stomach would look flatter because you had no food in it, right? And you were literally starving. I always remember being cranky during those times, like missing chewing so much. Um, And I do think one of the drinks had like those like, not the bobo balls that like the, I don't even know that's what they're called. The tea that has those balls in it. But I do think one of them had something in there that was kind of chewy, which sounds kind of gross. But I remember it was like my favorite drink to drink because there was some sort of chewing involved. Um, But yeah, I would do these like two or three times throughout summer just to try and keep my stomach flatter, which again, it went back the second I ate real food again. But it worked. I like thought I was cool and mentally tough for doing it and look back now and I shake my head. But we've all been there. Um, During this time, I was still working out. I didn't like stop working out when I was doing juice cleanses. Um, I, again, thought I was strength training when I made up these hit circuits. I lived in an apartment complex that had a gym in it, and I would be in there for like 45 minutes, like trying to make the mirrors foggy or, you know, taking pictures of how sweaty I could possibly get. Like, I just love to be drenched in sweat. Like, no fan, do not turn the AC on. Let's make it as miserable as possible. Let's do, you know, 40 squats, 30 push-ups, 20 deadlifts, 30 jumping lunges. It was just crazy movements that, again, I thought was strength training, um, but it was not. But because I was such a newbie to any sort of strength training, and I do have a body type that adapts to muscle pretty well, I did change, right? Like I did see changes. I was getting fitter. So I thought what I was doing was correct. Um, in that time frame, I don't think I really ever touched anything heavier than a 25 or 30 pound dumbbell. And that was mostly for legs. For arms, I can't even imagine I touched more than 15 pounds. So there definitely was a time where my muscles had plateaued doing that. I may have felt sore. I may have felt the burn while doing those workouts, but there was no growth happening. And then I get over my juice cleanses, probably because I couldn't afford it anymore. And I started dabbling in intermittent fasting, right? Also just like low carb, like do not eat any kind of carb whatsoever. Um, I didn't really have any true direction besides eating as little as possible, except for social events. Like I'm decently strong-willed with not eating at all. It's once... (laughs) Once I take that first bite is where my willpower kind of goes out the window. So I'm pretty good at intermittent fasting. Um, During COVID, I remember me and my husband gave the one day on, one day off intermittent fasting 
thing a whirl where you fast for 24 hours and then you eat for 24 hours and then you fast for 24 hours and then you eat for 24 hours. And honestly, it really wasn't that bad because um, every day you ate, right? Even if it was the 24 hours off at like six o'clock at night, you could eat. Um, so the fasting, that's something I dabbled with. I do kind of enjoy fasting. Um, I do feel a little bit clearer headed. Um, I like bigger meals, bigger volume. So if it means me pushing back my first meal, that's something I don't mind. But to do it just with the intention of going out later or you know being able to rage more on the weekends or go out to dinner more, that's not smart. It's not, in, it's not for any intention besides to put non-nutritious things in my body. Um, I even think I dabbled with keto for like two days and no thank you. Um, fat to me is the macronutrient that I could toss out the window. It is so calorically dense that it like hurts my heart. Um, I know it's, it's good fats are so good for you, but seeing that a spoonful of an oil can be 120 calories is just like heartbreaking to me. That's almost two and a half English muffins that I could eat for the same amount. So Keto was definitely something that I did not do. Also, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And for any of my listeners out there who claim they had been on keto, if you did not weigh your food, you were not on keto. Okay? You need to be under 30 grams of carbs a day to technically be in ketosis. So if you did not weigh your food and log it, you had no idea if you were under 30 carbs. So for all those females out there that I have talked to that claim they did keto and it worked so well, and then the next question I ask them is, oh, so you know how to weigh and track your food? And they go, no, I never did that. Newsflash, you never did keto. All you did was cut your calories and eat a high-fat diet. You didn't do keto, right? If you weigh your food and track it and make sure that you're below 30 grams of carbs a day, then you can say you did keto. If you go out and have booze, you didn't do keto either, okay? Yes, I know carbs is not technically a carb, and I know booze is not technically a carb, a fat, or a protein, but it ruins your state of ketosis also, right? And it's not something you should be going in and out of, in and out of, in and out of. So keto is a very, very restrictive diet to do, and if you're on it, I mean, Props, I guess, because you have to follow a lot of rules. Um, I also 100% bought and downloaded the Weight Watchers app. I was so confident that I was going to do the Weight Watchers app for a long time that I actually became like, I think it's called, it's like a, a lifetime member. You pay some certain fee and like it's like free for the rest of your life. But yeah, they totally won off me, right? Like I think I used it for like a week. One, I didn't want to weigh my food. I wasn't in that mindset yet. And I started to realize that like, I loved their zero point foods. So I take this quiz and then, you know, they put me in this bracket or color and it tells me that eggs are zero points or like egg whites are zero points. Lean meats are zero points. Veggies are zero points. I could eat egg whites and chicken breast all day. I love those kinds of foods. So I could technically be eating 3000 calories a day and never track a Weight Watchers point. So that just like didn't really make sense to me. I knew that I would take advantage of that system. I would probably end up putting on weight in Weight Watchers. So mm -hmm. I did not do that. And they totally took all that money from me. My bad. 
Hey, but guess what? I still paid them, right? I didn't email Weight Watchers and say, yeah, I regret signing up for this because I don't want to try, so can I just have my money back? No, I chalked it up to a fucking loss and I paid it. Take a hint, some people. Sorry. Um, but that was kind of it for dieting, right? And then 2015 rolls around and I'm just, I like, I know what my fitness pal is. Again, I never really weighed food. I'm just kind of being very, I'm under eating 100%, right? And then I'm overeating on the social events. Every like 25 year old girl's diet usually. And then I found CrossFit uh, because of my husband and I really fell back in love with working out. And I finally actually like picked up heavier weights, followed a little bit of a strength program, and I really enjoyed the competition. I was pretty good at it, um, and I, I loved it. So I wanted to get certified in coaching, and luckily CrossFit, when they certify you in coaching, they also help you with nutrition because nutrition is a big part of CrossFit because you obviously need to be eating enough and fueling your body in order to be that strong. So part of the CrossFit certification is a nutrition component. And that's really where I started to learn about macros. Um, and even though I passed the test and became a CrossFit certified coach, you don't like become a nutritionist or anything actually with um, nutrition. You just kind of have an, edu like an education on it. So I left that seminar not a seminar, that class, I was like 25, 26, and I signed up with my first coach. Um, the coach was just nutrition because I was doing CrossFit as my workout. I didn't need him to plan me anything. But I was at a point in my life where I was not really willing to give up the drinks, the dinners out, the date nights. Um, I was not meal prepping. I was 26, 27. I had a real job, so I had you know adult-ish money. I did own a house, so a lot of money went there. But I was still into the nightlife, and I wasn't ready to give it up. I was newly dating my husband. We were out and about a lot. So I kind of jumped on this hamster wheel of hiring a coach, adhering every so often. I kind of realized I was wasting my own time and my money, so I ghosted my coaches. All right, I'm no saint here. I have ghosted coaches before. But again, I always paid my contract because it was my fault, my issue. Um, then a couple of like weeks or months later, I'd like try and get, I'd be motivated again. I'd find a new coach because one, I was probably embarrassed to go back. And two, I thought like they'd have a different method. I would hire another coach. I would get into it and then I would fall off again, right? My body was decent. I was decently strong. I was fit. So I didn't feel the need to like sacrifice more or get more dialed in. And then on and on we go. I think I had like three coaches, um, three different nutrition coaches from 26 to probably like 30, which is not a ton, but you know, I definitely ghosted and fell off and was like a lot of people. And it's just, it's all about timing, right? So then we get married. I get pregnant and I'm at a point where I have a lot less time um, and also a lot less social events, right? You're home with a newborn. So I hired a coach who guided me through my first pregnancy working out from home. Um, I did go to CrossFit for like the first couple of months of my pregnancy and then 
I have competition issues and it was very, very hard for me to scale appropriately while thinking about me being pregnant. So I kind of had to remove myself from that area. Um, we worked out at home and I was my first time I started to kind of like body weight lift. I still did CrossFit workouts at home. I actually got a job at Orange Theory um, and fell in love with like the Orange Theory classes because I was like running and whatnot and it kept me pretty in shape for being pregnant. So again, I was in the Orange Theory world too. Um, then I had Rustin and I had to take a break from the gym. One, because I just like didn't have time to get there and two, kind of COVID happened right then. So we had a garage gym. I started working out from home killing myself with like closed door hit workouts that it would leave me drenched in sweat as hot as possible 60 minute long hit workouts like my remember my husband always come in the gym and i'd have these workouts on the whiteboard and he's like are you kidding me like you're doing that for 60 minutes like what is wrong with you and i was like well i want to see 600 calories burned on my apple watch or i want to see my apple watch say this number and it was clearly not a good mindset but i liked pushing myself I just didn't realize the harm that I was kind of doing to myself in those workouts. Um, I didn't hire a coach for a little for a little while. I kind of just did it myself. I got back in shape pretty quickly because I was just kicking my ass in the gym. I was nursing, so I was definitely burning a lot of calories throughout the day. Um, and then we move our house, we, we create another home gym, and I really decided to give bodybuilding workouts a chance. I didn't have a lot of time, again, being a teacher and having a newborn, and I just couldn't wrap my head around at least 90 minutes of time commitment to you know drive to the CrossFit gym, do the hour class, and drive home, right? It's at a minimum of 90 minutes, because 15 minutes there, an hour, 15 minutes back. And sometimes those workouts were 15 minutes long, right? So if I'm gonna carve out 90 minutes of my day, I need more than a 15 minute workout. So me and my husband both kind of decided that we were just gonna work out from home. He was gonna do his own thing and I was going to bodybuild a little bit. And again, I had a C-section, so it was a little bit slower getting back. And I hired a coach in January, of, no, yeah, January of 2022. Two. right before Rory about a year or so ago no over that um again my long-term memory is shot but it was the first person that actually got through to me with the hit and the cardio workouts she told me one day because I was like adding in all this other cardio and hit and she was like just so you know the more cardio you do now the more you're gonna have to do if you ever wanna lose weight. Because I was just like in a maintenance phase, trying to maintain. She's like, if you do two hours of cardio every week, now in your maintenance phase, if you ever wanna lose weight, you're probably gonna have to up that to four hours, or you're gonna have to drastically cut your calories. And I was like, oh shoot, like that makes sense. Like I, you're gonna have to do more, work harder to lose weight. So I'm setting this bar so high by adding in and you know being so afraid to eat and not burn 500 calories on my watch that I'm kind of screwing myself for any diet that I do wanna do in the future. Um, 
and that was right after that was right after Rory. So that was, you know, post second baby. I think I was just in a better mental state um, and more confident in myself and realizing that I was getting older and not having to compete with anyone that I decided to really give just lifting a chance. And because COVID was kind of still a thing, really, I mean, the world was open again, but people were still iffy. I was able to help people in my own garage with workouts. And we used to call it lifting and lattes or lattes and lifting where they could bring their kids. We would lift. It would be low impact. We wouldn't be running around. Like if a kid needed help, you could easily stop. And it was like a nice environment. Um, and I started to see my body change. My my cortisol and my adrenals were not freaking screaming at me anymore. And my body was actually adapting. And I became stronger and tighter than I really ever had been. And that's when I really started to fall in love with the bodybuilding aspect and realized that I was kind of working against myself all those years, pushing the intensity, thinking that high intensity workouts were the only way to go. And the more calories your watch said were burned at the end of a workout was the number one indicator if it was a good workout or not. It's not, right? More sweat does not equal better workout. You could go sit in a sauna and sweat your ass off and you didn't get any stronger. You didn't lose any inches. You lost water weight, right? So you could also run for an hour and your Apple Watch is going to say you burned 600 calories. You could have just increased your body fat because you burned your muscle, right? So that is not the end all be all. Um, then I really started to dial in my macros, right? Like, again, I'm home with two kids. I don't have a ton of social events going on. I mean, I'm super busy. Don't get me wrong. There wasn't a second where I couldn't put Rory down. But it was something for me to focus on and realize that I don't need to be perfect in this, right? I can have three great days, one ugh, go back to have three great days, one ugh. And as long as I'm consistent, let's see where this goes. Let's see where this takes me, right? Um, and now I kind of want to go over why I think the combination of the two, right, is the ideal option for aesthetics. And aesthetics means, right, how you look. And people have different goals, right? And I'm not going to pretend like I'm out there to be the strongest or even the healthiest. I obviously want to be healthy. But, and if this sounds vain, it sounds vain, but it's honest. I want to look good, right? I want to be confident in my reflection. I want to be a hot mom. I want that Stacy's mom song to be about me. Just kidding. Um, but again, I want to be proud of my body and of my reflection for as long as I can. I know there's going to be a time where I'm going to be old and probably grumpy with how I look, but hopefully I'll be so rich and in love that it won't even matter. Um, but I want to look good, right? So this combination of counting your macros and strength training is 100% the best aesthetics I've ever had. Um, and I'm not saying this combo is the best for everyone or everything, right? Heart health, endurance athletes, amazing. Pro crossfitters, they need more high intensity. Ballerinas may need more yoga. Powerlifters, they would need more strength-based workouts. Um, and your average Bob and Karen, macros and strength, that's what's going to make them look the best. And it's going to make them look the best naked, 
right? And I know we don't walk around the streets naked. I know we're not in a bathing suit all the time, especially if you're from Long Island. It's like a couple of months out of the year. But I want to feel confident in just my skin. I don't want to have to think about an outfit that can tuck and hold me in places, right? So yeah, you can be skinny with clothes on and look great, but do you feel that way when you're naked? Um, So for the average, again, Bob and Karen, macros and strength training makes you look the best, right? And what most people are, right? Most people are not professional athletes. Most people are not going to the Arnold to powerlift. We just want to look good and feel confident. And I kind of want to get into why the other methods don't seem to work or last. And it was actually ironic because one of my clients the other day said that, what was it? I don't know if it was Beachbody or it was like Shakeology or something. She was like, yeah, Shakeology worked for me like back in the day. And I was like, well, did it work? Because you're here. And she's like, oh, shit, you're right. Right. Like the the word work means that it lasted like it it worked forever and okay maybe not forever but it worked for longer than a week right worked doesn't mean that you lost five pounds in a week and gained it back so we have to reassess the word worked or like was successful um so the first diet i want to go into my least favorite well actually it's a tie probably now is octavia for any person that sells octavia i don't hate you because you've been bamboozled. But I absolutely hate, and I'm going to use that word and I mean it, what you are selling. And I don't care what fake facts or summaries or articles you show me, you are convincing people to starve themselves for a very expensive cost. It is an absolutely starvation diet. When you add up the calories that these poor people take in a day, it's what's like recommended for a toddler. Um, it is beyond small calories. They're shakes, so they're barely chewing. They get these quote-unquote coaches that know nothing besides how to sell. It's a pyramid scheme. They become malnourished. They lose their hair. They fuck up their hormones, and they feel like shit, and the food tastes like shit. Like, there's not a lot of amazing things that happen in life, right? Like, Yes, I do love life, but there's not, you don't wake up every day with an amazing surprise. Food is great. I live to eat. I enjoy eating. If I had to eat shakes and Octavia food for my whole life, I would be fucking miserable. And the worst part is it's expensive. It's like over $1,000 a month to buy this food, to talk to these coaches, and you're literally paying $1,000 to not eat. makes no sense. Could you imagine paying a financial advisor to spend your money? Like, it just doesn't add up. You're paying someone to not do something. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so if you are paying thousands of dollars to not eat, please just try and reassess this pattern. There's another way to lose weight, and it'll be more enjoyable. Right? The next one, Ozempic. I don't know a ton of science on this. All I know is that pumping chemicals inside your body because you don't want to fucking go to the gym is heartbreaking. I know that it is good for some people, for the morbidly obese that really just can't even get up and exercise because it hurts. That's a different story. I'm not talking to those kind of people. Those are like 0.05% of the people that take it. For anyone that takes it that needs to lose even between 100 and 5 pounds, shame on you. Get to the fucking gym. Watch what you eat. 
do something. Do the work. Um, you are going to lose weight so fast. You're going to have saggy skin. Call it saggy ass Ozempic. It also amazes me that people were so against the vaccine for, you know, COVID or other vaccines, yet the second they hear about a weight loss drug, they're pumping shit into their body. So, again, if you're the person that has diabetes or you are 300 pounds overweight and you can't even stand up, fine. Let this start you off. Let it be a kickstart. But for anyone else, like, you are possibly doing irreversible damage to your system. Like, people are getting rushed into the hospital because their gallbladders are, like, malfunctioning. They are vomiting at the taste and the smell of food because it makes them so nauseous because it literally cuts off your hunger hormones and makes you feel so full. If you are so miserable with your body that you are willing to feel nauseous and puke every time you sit down to eat, there's some other issues going on there, right? We also know that after taking Ozempic for a while, you lose muscle. So your body fat percentage is actually going up. Yes, the scale might be going down, but you are getting fatter. You are losing weight, but your body fat is still the same. So AKA you increase your body fat percentage. You are losing muscle, which is going to hurt you later in life. Your bones are not going to have any support. You're going to be saggy and yuck. Um, and your ass is going to touch your ankles. Just kidding, but whatever. All right, so if you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on these Ozempic shots, which again, another expensive thing to not eat, just hire a coach. Don't hire me. Hire someone, anyone. I mean, I'm here for you, but put the effort in long term. Because what are you going to do? Stay on Ozempic for the rest of your life. Because once you come off, guess what? You're going to be hungry again. And if you don't learn different habits or different methods, the same thing is going to happen to you. Uh, Weight Watchers, I get the idea behind it. It's kind of tracking, but it gives points to food values, which I don't love. Right? We really try and steer clear of like bad foods and good foods. Um, It also, the point system encourages you to under eat on some days and then save your calories for other days. So it very much is the be good during the week, binge during the weekend cycle, which we want to break. It's not a good mentality to have. It's something that, you know, restriction, 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 binge. And giving any food the zero point calorie is pretty silly because you can eat 3000 calories of the zero points. And yeah, it's good micronutrients, but you can still gain weight that way. Um, So you're going to hit a plateau. Again, it will probably work in the beginning. You will most likely hit a plateau in Weight Watchers. Um, Keto, don't love it for females. Hormones, we need, we need carbs. You need, like, it's just essential for females. Uh, to be in true ketosis, you need to weigh and measure your food and be below 30 grams of carbs a day, which 90% of the people I've ever talked to that do keto don't. So you're really just slashing your calories with no real intention. So just do it the right way. Let, not, and not the right way. I'm not saying keto is wrong, okay? But if you're going to just slash your calories and not weigh your food, don't claim you're on keto. Just say you're cutting your calories and you like to eat fat. Um, or again, just hire someone to guide you to give you a good balance of macronutrients so you can have protein, carbs, and fats and still cut your calories. Um, 1,300 calories and below. Basically, it's for a toddler. So let's move on from that. Yes, you can obviously eat that for a little bit in a nice cut. 
you cannot stay there forever. Um, Whole30, I think, has a great foundation behind it. Uh, the foods are great, but life's going to get in the way. There's going to be weddings. There's going to be vacations. There's going to be parties, um, holidays, where you're not going to have Whole30 options. Um, do you ever get a break? Do you feel like a failure then when you don't eat Whole30? Do you then sabotage? Or what is, what's the plan long term? Because once again, the Whole30 has a long list of no's. Right? Know this, know this, know this, know this. Um, stuff like Shakeology and Isogenics. I don't even really understand these because drinking my calories sounds like the actual hell on earth for me. Um, but my clients reminded me of these. And I also heard they taste like shit. But life is short. Why would you spend your life drinking your food unless it is a nice spicy margarita? Right? Eat food. Chew. Your brain doesn't even process the fact that you're like eating when you're drinking food. So you're just, you're not even enjoying the dopamine rays of food in your system. Right? I couldn't imagine that. I cannot imagine how much of a bitch I would be on these. Um, Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem, right? All pre-made meals that cost so much money. And once again, all starving you because you're eating like 1,200 calories or less. Um gluten-free or dairy-free just because you want to be trendy or annoying. Just, I mean, there's definitely medical reasons to being these things, but if you're just doing it to do it, nothing is helping you. You're not actually cutting out calories because gluten-free stuff is just as many calories as gluten things. Um, just has gluten out of it. So you are not changing anything about what you're eating. If anything, you might be eating more processed foods with chemicals in it because it's gluten-free. Unless you're celiac or you like are very in tune with your inflammation and you want to try and uh, lessen that, eat gluten. Now, there are some other fitness things and fitness classes that people love. And I don't really want to step on toes because I think any kind of movement is good movement. But I do want to go through why I don't think any of these can hold What's that saying? Hold a, I don't know, hold up against bodybuilding workouts. So again, first things first, and everybody hear me say this before anyone hates me, any movement is good. I'm glad that anyone goes out and exercises. If it is the only thing you're going to do, keep doing it, right? Don't be like, oh, I listened to this podcast, so I'm going to stop Orange Theory and just not work out, right? That's not what I'm saying. I just want to sh- give you the reasons why I think bodybuilding is the optimal choice. So first thing, any kind of group classes, right? Orange Theory, F45, Barry's Boot Camp, Fit Body Boot Camp. Uh, what were other ones I was thinking of? Um, they are cardio classes. Even when they claim they have weightlifting classes, they do not. You are not doing the same lifts every week. You are not lifting heavy enough. You are usually lifting for speed. Those are not strength training classes. Those are cardio classes with weights. Okay. So hopefully I said that slow enough. And if you're like, no, it's definitely strength. I'm sore the next day. That does not qualify it as strength. You will stop gaining muscle one month into those. Okay. Um, Group classes are great for my least favorite M word motivation, right? You have a little cult around you that expects you to see there, see you there they have coaches yelling crazy lines at you all class. Um, 
it's good for the people that are not motivated. Um, but motivation sucks and no one's motivated every day. So we have to learn some sort of discipline also. They are good for like an icebreaker, right? Like to get yourself in and just join a class and be part of a group. Um, they hold you accountable if you find your tribe. But also you're putting your health in the eyes of a coach that got certified through a pretty shady class. And they're watching like 30 people at a time. I mean, maybe because I'm a teacher, I understand how hard this is. But they cannot see what you are doing. First of all, it's dark as hell in there. And you are moving fast. There are 30 people. You're doing all these different movements. They don't have time to correct you. They don't really care to correct you. Um, and that's why people get hurt there. Right? It's, it's hard. It's not even really the coach's fault. It's the scenario they're in. Um, these classes push speed most of the time over load, which will not, again, it will not lead to muscle damage and muscle growth. So you are going to get your initial gains, of course, but you're going to plateau. Um, again, I've been there. I worked there. I get it. It happened to me. Um, it's just inevitable. Group classes will eventually plateau you. If you stand outside an Orange Theory class and look at everyone that comes out and then you go stand outside a bodybuilder gym, I bet you you like what you see coming out of the bodybuilder gym better. Um, CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I will, oh, it will always hold a special place in my heart. I found some of my best friends there. The community is amazing. It's so supportive. It's so inclusive. The competition is great, but yet everyone's still like cheering other people on. I'd love it. Um, it is more strength training than I'd say a boot camp, but it still does push speed or quantity over quality and load. So it's about how many you can do, how fast you can do them, rather than how heavy or you know how perfect you can do them. And yes, of course, there are strength components in CrossFit. We've all seen it. But for the most part, it is about speed. Um, it can be dangerous, right? I can't pretend like I've never gotten hurt doing CrossFit. Again, I am a little bit of a mental case, so I push myself places I shouldn't. But it can be dangerous. You're throwing around heavy weight for speed to win, right? Um, it is a major stressor on your central nervous system. And for someone that doesn't have a lot of time, an hour class, you could really only be working out for 12 minutes. And CrossFit was designed as an accessory workout, right? It was not created to be your only workout method. And that's why a lot of people don't really change body shapes when they do CrossFit because there needs to be some other training and some dialed in nutrition on top of it because some workouts can be seven minutes long and that's clearly not enough to, you know, undo damage of a bad diet. Um, other workout options, right, are like the yoga, Pilates, and bar classes. I'm going to say this three times. Yoga, Pilates, bar, do not create long or lean muscle. I'm saying it again. Yoga, Pilates, and bar, do not create long or lean muscle. You cannot add length to a muscle. Your anatomy is your anatomy. You cannot increase the length of your calf muscle. You cannot increase the length of your tricep, right? It is what it is. You can make it bigger, but you're not going to stretch out your arm. That doesn't work like that. The reason why these people look long and lean is because this kind of workout does attract long people, dancer people, bodybuilds that you were born that way. They didn't just create them because they did yoga. 
Um, this is great for stretching and balance. Um, it does not add muscle past a certain point. It is hard and you can shake and you can feel burn, but it does not stretch your muscle enough to add muscle tissue to your body. Um, again, most of, most people will hit a very hard plateau in these classes if they're trying to change their body type. Um, the Peloton cult. Um, cardio, cardio, cardio. And yes, 90% of those Peloton classes that claim their strength are not. If you are picking up 12-pound dumbbells, you are not getting stronger. All this cardio, all this running, all these hit classes, all these bike rides where you are up and down and sweating are major, major stressors on your body, and it is only cardio. You are pumping cortisol through your body. You are pumping grenadine through your body, which is the hunger hormone. You are burning a ton of calories, also muscle tissue calories. Um, it is a great community and people love it. And again, it gets them moving, which is absolutely phenomenal, but it should be an accessory. It should be something you do maybe twice a week on top of a strength training program or something else. Um, the, the leaders or the instructors of these classes, guys, they lift. They go to a gym and they follow a progressive overload program. They do not just do the Peloton classes. And if they say they do, it's not true, right? They're paid to say that. There's no way that these people just do Peloton. They go and lift heavy. Um, and then I got to call out Zumba because I got a couple Zumba girls. Zumba is a social event. Um, the only thing Zumba helps you with is steps. And, oh, and obviously your rhythm. Um, it is not a workout. Your heart rate stays pretty low, which is good. It's a great list. Low intensity cardio, right? It gets you a lot of steps. Just remember that any kind of cardio burns calories in the moment, which takes away from calories that can be used to create those newer muscles. So you either have to eat more to give back that those calories, or you have to realize that your muscle growth is going to take a lot longer because you only have 20 extra calories a day to give to muscle, not 200. All right, so those are just kind of some breakdowns of some of the fad diets, some of the workout fads that we've seen and why I just think they kind of fall short to bodybuilding and macros. Counting macros is data. It is numbers that you cannot argue with. You see what goes in and out of your body. And if you relate it to any other subject in life, and I always relate it to finances, it just makes the most sense. It is having a spreadsheet of what you save and what you spend. And you see it on there. You cannot argue with it. You cannot question it. It's there right in front of you. Um, it is a balance because nothing is a no. Nothing is an absolute no. No food is bad. It all is just a value, right? It's the only reason I kind of like Weight Watchers is the fact that no food is off limits. It does give food value points, but you're allowed to have things. Life is short. You can have ice cream. You can have pizza. You have to just make sure you own your goals, own your choices, but you can fit stuff in. It's not about fitting shit in every day, but there's nothing that's a no. There's no hard rules. It is the best way to live for balance and for irrefutable data. I mean, if you track and you weigh honestly, you cannot argue with how your body looks because you are doing it, you are making the choices, you are seeing it. And bodybuilding lifts, I mean, I, they're low impact. You can focus on every specific muscle that you want to hit. 
If you claim you're getting bored, lift fucking heavier, right? It is not boring. Um, challenge yourself in the gym. Feel strong. Feel empowered. Go push that meathead aside and lift up this 70-pound dumbbell. Um, if it is boring for you, it's because you're not challenging yourself. Do not try and trick your muscles. That is a myth. Stick with the same workout plan for 12 weeks. Challenge yourself every single week. Go to failure and watch the changes. Take pictures of yourself and watch the changes. You have to push yourself in the gym though, right? Working out and training are different. You could be following this 12-week program, but if you are not hitting that intensity of a 9 out of 10 on the RPE scale, or if you're not going to failure, you're not going to see the results that you want. You have to push the intensity. Um, So I'd say that is a short version of why macros and bodybuilding is my bread and butter, but I guess it wasn't really that short. So I'm going to wrap it up. And I'm, I know we're going to talk about this topic again. It's an interesting topic. Uh, people get very heated when I poke at their specific workout classes, right? Orange Theory and Peloton people especially, they just die on a hill for their crew. Um, but I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am. Every single client that I've had that was an Orange Theory or Peloton person that switched to weight training, their bodies are fantastically improved. Um, and they're eating more, and they feel better. And that's 100% of them. I've never once had someone go back. So just saying. So before I wrap up, I want to do the normal spiel where I please ask you to leave a five-star review. We are going to send out BPN red and green supplements to those people. I really appreciate it. So make sure you leave your name so I can call you out on the next episode or reach out to you. Please share this to your friends, maybe someone that doesn't believe you or you're trying to get to come leave the cult and join the macro bodybuilding world. I guess we're also a cult. Um, Follow the show. I'm going to keep trying to make them relatable. And please sign up for the holiday challenge. Even if you're not a client, even if you've never really done this before, you don't have to. It's not a macro challenge. You do not have to count your macros. It is a side part. If you want me to give them to you, I will. But macros are not included. It is focusing on habits. So there are winners for most steps. There are winners for... Um, transformation changes via picture. There are habit changes, mindset changes, where you're going to have to tell me why your mindset is different. So this is not a macro challenge. You don't even have to know what a carb, protein, or fat is. It is really just to focus on habits during the time of year that people bury themselves in food. And I want to really start to make the holidays a happier time that we don't associate with weight gain. And we don't associate with clawing yourself out of this hole once the new year happens, right? There's 60 days from November to January. Why gain 10 pounds and have to work double as hard just to get back to zero in March? Why not lose 10 pounds before January? Why not lose a gene size? Why not lose eight inches, right? There's 60 days. 60 days is a lot of time. So if you commit now, you just started 60 days earlier than anybody else. Right? We don't have to wait to January 1st. There's no hard rule on that. All right, so now I am off to take my two little twerps to soccer practice. And good Lord, pray for me. Rory girl is not into it. She likes to look at the sky. Last time, Thomas had to give her a chicken nugget on the field while she played. <laughs> my kid. And Rustin loves it, but he like chest bumps people that score against him because he just is a 
cheerleader, which is so cute. But have an awesome night. Remember, keep showing up for yourself. It's consistency. It's not perfection. We do not need to be 100%. We do not need to be all or nothing. We need to keep showing up every day, not have any zero days, and live in that sweet spot of the 90 to 93 A-life. Thank you.